This is Black Millennial Money. This is Black Millennial Money, where we talk about how you can make more money, keep more money, invest your money, and spend your money on finer things in life, all from a Black Millennial perspective. I'm your host, Joseph Oisu, and today I'm your illustrious guest. But before we get into any of that, you know what I'm about to say, and if you're new to the channel, listen up. If you haven't liked, subscribed, and shared with the people in your phone book, now is the time to do it. We're on a mission to reach 100 million people around the world with life-changing financial information, and you can be part of that. If you'd like to contribute to the platform that little bit further, there's a link in our description to join our Patreon. You can join from as little as £3 a month and help us continue continue to add all the incredible value that we do and share the information that we have here if you'd like to have your questions and dilemmas answered send them through to us at blackmillennialmoney.com we are going to be doing dedicated episodes releasing the answers to your questions if you're part of our patreon community you get your answers faster but if you'd still like to send your dilemmas head over to blackmillennialmoney.com to get the answers to your questions now you see in the title of this video, this is the lessons I learned from my six-figure side hustle. You heard me. I have a £100,000 side hustle. And basically, I'm here to talk to you about how it went, how it's going, and what I've learned along the way. Now, the biggest lesson I have so far is that this is a £100,000 idea, but I have not made £100,000 from it. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Joseph Osu, and I am the man behind Black Millennial Money. And to give you some context, I am constantly starting new businesses, side hustling, and trying to do anything to make a bit more money. Why? Because I am a money-hungry millennial who wants to live a lavish lifestyle and post it on Instagram. But other than that, honestly, I like business. I like starting new ideas. And I like being creative. It's one of the ways that I get to express myself outside of this podcast, which is amazing, but also outside of my nine-to-five. So, this is the story of how I came up with a product called Rappy Fresh. Now, some of you may recognize that name because it's been featured in adverts on the channel. And Rappy Fresh, aka Rapid Freshness, was the product that I thought was going to be the very beginning of my cleaning empire. So, let me tell you how I got started. Firstly, things that went well. I spotted an opportunity and I thought, this is fantastic. Amazing. So I was watching Shark Tank, which is the US version of The Apprentice, and it's much, much more, sorry, it's the US version of Dragon's Den. And it's much, much more entertaining. The people are richer, the businesses are more interesting. And also, if your business is trash, they will tell you it's trash. And I, I like that. It's, it's true to form, right? It's true to, real, it's true to real life. So I was watching Shark Tank, and I remember the day pretty clearly. It was the day before my anniversary. It was June the 28th, right? June the 28th. And I couldn't sleep, partly because I went to bed early that night after having steak. Uh, we, we went out to have some dinner, went to bed early that night. Then my fiance wakes me up in the middle of the night because she wants to talk, then falls asleep an hour later. And now I can't sleep. So I'm watching Shark Tank at four in the morning, lying on the sofa in the living room. And this product comes up called a Gamma Guard. Now you can Google that, check it out. It's a pretty cool product. But basically what this is, is a spray that, it kills bacteria on clothing, right? And I thought this is interesting. The sharks thought it was interesting as well. And they had sold like $400,000 of this um, in 2020. I'm like, oh, this is real interesting. The sharks were obsessed with the products and kept asking, does it kill coronavirus? Does it kill coronavirus? And the guys hadn't done the testing. And I was like, huh, hold on, hold on, hold on. If the only reason the sharks aren't jumping on this right now is because they don't know for sure. They haven't done the testing to say if it kills coronavirus. If I can find a product that kills coronavirus, I'm going to make the sum of that shark money, right? 
That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, okay, let me let me think about this. So I immediately went on Amazon, found a product in the US and ordered it. Because my first thinking was, I'm just going to walk up to a supplier in the UK and say, make me this and do the coronavirus testing. And then I was sitting there thinking, actually, that could be kind of expensive. So I've ordered the thing anyway, and it's coming at some point, right? I start Googling. By now, it's like six in the morning. Still Googling, still Googling. And I find a couple of suppliers in the UK. Like, huh. And they've got a product that kills coronavirus on clothes. I'm like, okay. And it's approved in the UK, approved in the EU. And I'm thinking, this is precisely what I was looking for. And now I don't have to pay for the coronavirus testing myself. Long story short, by 9.30 that morning, I had agreed terms with a supplier and they were going to send me some product samples and they were willing to make the labels and do all sorts of wonderful things to help me get started. And I was thinking, this is amazing. This is what happens when you see an opportunity. If you think it makes sense, you go and yam food, right? So I keep going from there. So I'm looking at the numbers. I'm trying to figure out how this is going to work. But ultimately, within six weeks, I have a finished product. The product I'm holding up right here right? Um, just making sure you guys can see that super clearly on YouTube. Um, if you're listening to this, just head over to YouTube and check it out. Rappy Fresh Clothing Spray. Kills coronavirus, safe on clothing, and provides up to four hours of protection. Kills coronavirus in just 60 seconds on your clothing. So the, uh, that landed at my house. I had um, the branding was done through Fiverr. I had mock-ups of the product, so like virtual product, like virtual product images made up on Fiverr, made up on Upwork, and we were pretty much ready to go. I I was doing the maths, and my forecast was to sell a hundred thousand pounds by December 2021, and I was getting really excited. There, I had put in some variables, like this is what my marketing spend needs to be, this is what my product cost is, this is the number of bottles I need, and basically by the end of December 2021. I need. I needed to sell four thousand. I need to have four thousand orders through my website with an average cost, average value to me of twenty four ninety nine. And I'm not just selling one bottle for twenty four ninety nine. We're gonna have bundles and all sorts of different upsells and different ways to sell the products. So I was thinking this is kind of viable. So those are all the things that went well. Now, I'm sharing this story in part because I want you guys to learn from my mistakes, but also for you guys to be inspired to take advantage of opportunity because. There are some really useful things that I'm learning looking back at this retrospectively that I'm going to do next time around. So the things that didn't go well, the premise of Rappy Fresh the business, right, was based on people's fear of coronavirus. Simple. People were afraid of coronavirus, and that's something I overlooked in the Shark Tank episode. Because when I was watching Shark Tank in 2021, this thing was recorded in 2020 when people were very, very afraid of the pandemic, right? And Ultimately, there was money to be made in the short term, but not possibly tons of money to be made long term, right? So I was basically trying to catch a falling knife. And this is not something you want to be doing, in whether that's an investment. So for example, um, people are trying to buy cryptocurrencies like Shiba Inu right now, or whatever else, or Dogecoin, Bitcoin, whatever you're buying. And they're like, oh, yeah. I'm going to catch I'm going to make money cuz it's going to bounce back up. Some of these things will never bounce back up, but you're trying to basically find the bottom of a trend or an opportunity and say, "Yeah, I'm going to make money in the future." And usually when you try and catch a falling knife, you end up getting stabbed in the hand, right? And that's pretty much what happened to me. So, the pandemic in the UK as much as the British government looked like they were messing it up and probably messed it up in a lot of ways, they actually did a better job than most countries around the world. Like looking at the US, it's carnage over there. But the UK, 
two things you need to know about British people. They get sick and tired really quick, and then they get to the point where I don't care anymore. And that's what was happening with the pandemic in the UK. People were like, if I ain't got it now, if I ain't dead yet, I'm going outside, right? Even if you knew people who were affected, people were just sick of being indoors. They were sick of worrying about the, the pandemic. They didn't want to hear anything more about it. And what was happening is that you've seen people wearing masks, but people have pretty much stopped caring. They're like, whatever will be, will be. So there was no fear to drive sales of the product. That was the first thing. The second thing that happened was a macro thing that I could never have predicted. Apple upgraded their advertising platform. Well, updated their software, which limited access for Facebook to be doing their paid advertising, their marketing, which was a big driver for my business. Massive driver for what I thought I could deliver with RappiFresh using Facebook ads. Now, the reason it's important for Apple users specifically is because it's a well-known fact that Apple users are the most high valuable, high value customers on the internet. Because people who spend money on iPhones, the most expensive smartphones available in the world, generally make more money and spend more money on more things. Now, Facebook can, my Facebook adverts are no longer as effective as they once were because they've been banned. So some of you who use iPhones are basically getting asked every single time you, you open a new app to say, can you be tracked? And even I'm clicking no, because I'm looking at this app. Oh, why do you need to track me? I don't, but if everyone is doing the same thing, it basically means that it's harder for me to sell my lovely bottles of Rappi Fresh, right? So in addition to that, but winding it back a second, the, the impact of the iOS restrictions are that now my cost of advertising has gone up, which reduces my profit margin, which makes it harder, which means I basically have to pay more to sell the same number of bottles. So 4,000 bottles is becoming, 4,000 orders are becoming trickier and trickier to come by. The knock-on impact of that is thanks to Donald Trump and everything else that's been happening over the past four years, social networks were very, very skeptical about um false about fake news right so they are banning anything related to covid because you may be spreading fake news or doing stuff that's going to damage the vaccination rollout that's going to make it harder for people to return to work and ultimately make people more sick and the social networks did not want to get blamed for that so what they did is they basically banned all advertising that mentioned covid and the key selling point of rappy fresh clothing spray is that it kills coronavirus on your clothes in 60 seconds and gives you up to four hours of protection so on your commute you don't need to worry about that person coughing as much as you need to worry about having Rappi Fresh in your pocket sprayed on you when you left the house, right? The problem is I can't say that in my advert. I can't say that when you go to the gym, rather than looking at that sweaty man's back and thinking he's not going to wipe down this machine and he's going to give me whatever he's been walking around here taking chances, I've actually got Rappi Fresh and that's going to be fine because I can just spray down the whole machine. Couldn't say that. Couldn't say that for most of my advertising. It took a long time for me to get approved by Facebook well, to get approved by YouTube, but then Facebook made it even harder because basically I I had to just allude to, to some of the benefits of it, which meant, which you see in this advert, it's like, does this kind of sort of work? Is this interesting? And then nothing, right? So the social networks made it very, very tricky for me to promote. So those are just the three things that happened. There's more on this list. The next thing was really my fault. I wasn't super clear on my target audience because COVID has affected all sorts of people. It's affected us all. We've all been in lockdowns. We've all, well, some of us have had vaccinations. Some of us haven't. Some of us know people who've passed away. Some of us have got COVID. And for the most part, 
I wasn't clear on my target audience. I wasn't clear who I was selling this to. So my website literally had mums on it, teachers on it, frontline workers, everybody who I possibly thought would be able to buy this product was on the website. And I was trying to target all of them through my advertising. The problem with that is the way you speak to mums is not the same way you speak to teachers. The way you speak to teachers is not the way you speak to nurses and doctors and firefighters and police officers, right? It's just not the same thing. So what that meant is that I had a confused message going out there. I was paying more for advertising because I was trying to target multiple groups rather than really get specific on who is going to need this, who is going to use this. What is the use case for someone to get this spray and continue to use it? What's the use case that's going to last beyond, oh, I'm scared of COVID? I hadn't, I wasn't clear on that. I just saw opportunity. I just saw excitement when I was watching that Shark Tank advert, that Shark Tank episode. I was thinking, ah, that was in 2020. You're in 2021. The pandemic's not the same, right? And the last thing that didn't quite go to plan is I made a rookie, rookie mistake, which I know not to do. I know this. I tell you guys this all the time. I didn't validate my idea before committing to it. So there are ways in which I could have tested my ideas, which I'll go on to in what I'll do differently. But I didn't take those steps. What I did is I got really excited. I thought the pandemic window was closing, which it was. Technically, it was probably already closed by the time I was I was getting started in June of 2021. It had been over a year since the pandemic started and people were sick of it, right? People have been out of their house, been going to brunches and parties when we had the mini releases throughout 2020. That when we're all on day release from the government, right? Um, and the pandemic was pretty much over. But what I did, rather than validating my idea, rather than doing getting some customer insight, I ordered 500 bottles of this thing. 500 bottles. I said, let's go, baby. Let's go get this money. 4,000 orders by Christmas. I still have probably the best part of 500 bottles. Probably a little bit more than 500 bottles because they end up sending me some extras. <laughs> and I don't have 4,000 orders as of today. So those are the things that went wrong. And I'm hoping that you guys listening can see that there's a bit of a pattern here where there's things that when you're assessing a business opportunity, there's things that will be in your control and there's things that will be outside of your control. And you really need to measure your risk. And that's what we're going to go on to in the second part of this episode, where actually once you see an opportunity, you really need to take the time to size it and look at any constraints and challenges that you're going to face. But that is coming after the break. You may not know this, but we have a Patreon page. Patreon is a platform that makes it super easy for people to support creators. Here at Black Millennial Money, our mission is to reach millions of people around the world with life-changing financial information, and you can be part of that. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Black Millennial Money or click the link in the description to sign up and start supporting us today. We are back in this episode of Black Millennial Money where we are talking about my almost six-figure side hustle. What went wrong, what I've learned, and what you can do to make sure that next time you launch a side hustle, you don't make the same mistakes I did. So I broke down what, what we've discussed so far, had a great idea, took, a, took action, built momentum, but there were some real things that were counting against me, external things and things that I got too excited to, to pay attention to at the time. Now, what I'll do differently next time is a long list of things, but I've condensed it down to about five things with a couple of key points about them. So the first thing is consider how much time I have to actually execute on this. The biggest issue I had with launching Rappy Fresh, clothing spray that kills coronavirus on, on clothing in 60 seconds, it was no longer for sale. I have no idea why I just did that. But <laughs> the, biggest the biggest issue I had was time. 
I work a demanding full-time job. I run a busy podcast, right? I also have a family life to manage and a bunch of other things that are pulling on my time. Did I really have the time to actually launch a brand new product and give it all the time I needed? And the answer is no. The answer is just no, especially something that's got nothing to do with what I'm already doing. It's completely outside of the world of what I'm doing. So that's first consideration. When you're looking at new opportunities, how much time is it really going to take for this to work? And then once you've got an estimate for the number of, for the amount of time you think it's going to take, double or triple that and still see if it's worth the investment in time. Still see if you're going to have three times the amount of time you think you're going to have to do this because ultimately it's going to take that much time. And that's the lesson for me going forward. I've already mentioned in the first half that I didn't really validate the idea first. A couple of things I could have done is I could have set up a landing page. So a landing page is basically just a one-page website where I say, hey, I've got this new product coming out. If you're interested in, in knowing about it or wanting to buy it, you can either pre-order it here or give me your email address and I'll let you know when it's ready because this is an incredible product and you need to have it. Had I done that, I could have done that with the sample bottles they sent me using the pick, using the mock-ups that I got from the guys on Upwork and the branding that I got from Fiverr to see if this was actually viable. I could have, I could have spent maybe £150 running adverts to that. I would have seen that Facebook was going to give me problems because of the iOS bans and also the, the sensitivity about mentioning COVID. I would have seen that YouTube would have made it hard for me because I needed to register and it would have taken a couple of days for me to become a COVID-approved advertiser. All of those barriers would have made me think, actually, probably not the best way to do it. The other way to, I could have looked at it is I could have launched a Kickstarter. If I think this is such a good idea, other people think this is a good idea. And I could have positioned this as something that's going to make it easier for kids to be safe at school. We need to launch this product. We need to make this product. And you can be part of that. Pre-order it so we can actually get the formulation out in the world to people who need it the most. And we're going to donate one bottle to people somewhere in the world who can't afford this or whether that's uh covid testing kits or whether it's vaccinations we are donating towards that when you join our kickstarter campaign had i been able to get funding through that i would not have had to put any of my own money into this but i'd also validated that people care enough about this thing so when it launches now i i have money in the bank to order the products and send it to the people who bought but i've also got their customer data now where i can just send them an email and say subscribe to receiving this bottle on a monthly basis and before you know it those four thousand orders start to really really build if the idea works if people are interested in it right now that's what i should have done as you already know i did none of the above so the third thing the third thing is that i'm not a rich person not yet anyway right i'm not a rich person and what i found is that only people with disposable income high amounts of disposable income can afford to chase trends right? So if you've already made money from another business, have another business consistently producing money, and you see this with a lot of YouTubers, right? Where YouTube pays them a ton of money, their Patreon pays them a ton of money. And then they're like, okay, let me start this clothing brand. Let me start this coffee brand. And they're using money that they've already made elsewhere that they don't necessarily need to fund their day-to-day life to actually fund this thing. Where I, I have disposable income. It's not loads, right? But I have the podcast to manage i have my household to manage and until the podcast is generating a significant amount of revenue where i can push some of that towards new and different ideas i really can't jump on a trend where i can end up sitting on best part of 500 bottles of rapid fresh so if anyone wants to take these off me at cost price 
send me a DM, send me an email. Uh, <laughs> if you would like to start your own business and think this is actually the one you want to start and you think you can do it better than I did, reach out to me. I'm happily, happy to send you these bowls. But the, the issue I had is that I didn't have the cash and I also didn't have specialist knowledge. A great example of this is in 2020, when the pandemic was hot, a friend of mine whose brother's a pharmacist saw that there was going to be a shortage of PPE, which is basically rubber gloves and face masks. He saw that in March when lockdown started, right? Starts making some phone calls. By April, he's got a PPE supplier in India who's sending him masks. Before the government is really saying we're sure, before toilet paper gate, before... All the, all the hand sanitizer and hand soap disappears from the shelf. He's already ordering PPE in because he's got specialist knowledge that gives him an advantage. So within three months, the guy made a, a lot of money. I'm not, I'm not going into the depths of his pockets, but he made more money than he put in. And he, was, he has continued to do so for a number of months. He's still making a little bit of money now, not the same as it was. But ultimately, most of his money was made at the height of the pandemic when fear was high, when uncertainty was high, and when ultimately infection rates were through the roof. Those are not things that I had, a the capital or the specialist knowledge. If you have both of those things, where actually you, you're kind of unbothered if you end up with 500 bottles of something, right? Then chasing a trend probably makes sense. Similar to fidget spinners back in the day or trying to ride the wave of cryptocurrency you've never heard of. It's reserved for people who know stuff about the thing and people who have enough money for it to be relevant if you, if you swing and miss, right? The second thing, well, the fourth thing on my list is look for, look for strong before and afters when it comes to selling products on, online. Like e-commerce products, the best e-commerce products I've seen have a strong before and after photo. The issue I have with RappiFresh is that RappiFresh works. I know it works. The EU have certified that it works. But the problem is the consumer doesn't know it works, right? So you spray RappiFresh on your clothes, right? It's literally an invisible spray. You can't see it at all. I just sprayed some in my face by accident. It's not harmful on skin. You're all good. But the point is you can't see it working. I can't see the germs and bacteria on my clothes. I can't see that RappiFresh has killed the germs and bacteria on my clothes. I can't see that I'm safer. Whereas if we take a, a plant made by Amma, who sold a million pounds worth of product in about 13 months from 2020 to earlier this year, what you find is that her product has strong before and afters. Someone with short hair now has much longer hair. Someone who, had, who was missing their edges now has fuller edges. These are things that are, are, are binary. You use this product, you get this outcome for the most part, right? There's not, it's not a hundred percent guarantee, but you do one thing and one thing happens and you can see the difference from A to B. What happened with RappiFresh is that it doesn't have those things. You can't see in an advert that a bacteria is dying. You can't see when you spray it that a bacteria is dying, all right? You can't see it. And that made it very, very difficult to have compelling adverts because I needed to lean into fear. I needed to lean into anxiety. And sometimes people just don't have it. People aren't, some, some parents were like, my kid needs to get dirty so they can build their immune system. And absolutely correct. Or coronavirus actually is not fatal for the most part to children. So what's the issue? I'm now having to say, actually, corona, it's not about the kids. It's about them bringing it back to you and to their grandparents and ruining Christmas. But now that's a horrible advert. 
and still doesn't show the before and after. So if you're going to launch an e-commerce product, make sure you've got a strong and compelling before and after. Final point number five, I keep saying final because I assume that I'm getting to the end of this list of things that I need to do better because I'm hoping that I wasn't this bad, but ultimately I was this bad going into this. Risk analysis. So the first part of my risk analysis that I didn't really lean into is the strength of the customer problem. How badly, how compelling is the problem? How badly does someone want to solve this issue? How, af how afraid are they? How uncomfortable are they? How desperate are they to solve this problem? And for the most part, no one is desperate about killing coronavirus in their clothes. It's nice to do it, but no one is thinking, sitting up at night, I'd say, I really, really want to kill coronavirus. Again, using Amazon products as an example, Plant Made, there's people who go out of their way to style their hair because they don't like the fact that their edges are thinning. There's people who never take off their wigs because they think their hair is unsightly or too short. Using, using the example of new products I've come across, Temple, where they do skincare and grooming, particularly for black and Asian men, right? If I had really bad acne, this would be a compelling product for me because I feel self-conscious. I have an emotional connection to this, right? With what I was trying to launch, there was no strong compelling need for a customer to buy it especially not when i was trying to sell it in 2021 had it been in june 2020 that's a different story because back then we still thought covid was very very deadly right we still thought that this thing might come from my letterbox in the middle of the night in june 2021 we just want to go outside we just want to have a nice time right so the, the customer challenge wasn't there anymore the customer problem the pain point that i was addressing wasn't as compelling as it once was now, my product positioning was off, right? It was off. People don't care as much about killing bacteria on their clothing. I kept it as a clothing spray because the company that was selling it marketed it as a garment spray. What I should have done is marketed it as an antiseptic spray, which is essentially what it is, right? That works on all surfaces. So now when you're going to the gym, when you actually want to disinfect your phone, because this is one of the filthiest things you can have covered in bacteria and germs, you can use it to wipe down your phones and it kills coronavirus on your phone in 60 seconds, right? You can use it on gym equipment. You can use it on your clothes. You can use it on all sorts of things. That would have been stronger positioning. But because I tied it to clothing and people often take off their clothes and just put them in the laundry, my washing machine kills my bacteria, so I'm fine. Or I don't see anything on my clothes, so I assume I'm fine. The positioning needed to be changed. The other thing I should have done is focus groups. And I sort of did this early on, but I didn't, I, I, I didn't see the signs. I wanted to use influencers, particularly mums, to um, promote the product. Now, I sent it out to some of them who were my friends and some people I found on Instagram. And the feedback were like, oh, yeah, this when I was telling them about it, they were like, oh, this is a cool product. When I sent it to them, half of them never even got around to using it. Half of them forgot or that they used it once and just never got to use it again. And the problem with that is that that should have told me that maybe this isn't as compelling as I thought. But I could have found out with product samples. So when you're ordering your samples, try and get them to give you like 10. So you can use a couple for your photography and product images, but then you can send out some to um, 
influencers or focus groups just to get some feedback because ultimately what you want to see is demand if you send some if you send a product to somebody and they don't come back saying wow how can i get more of this i love it i've already finished the bottle how can i think everyone's going to need this everyone's going to love this if you if you don't get that reaction stop right there stop right there the, after, the final thing I want to call out here in terms of the risks that I missed is the distribution risks. Because when I saw that the product wasn't going to fly necessarily in the UK, I knew that the US was going to have a problem. Like literally Google shows you where the most infected places are. So you can search coronavirus US and it'll show you by state, by city, how crazy coronavirus is or isn't, right? So that made my marketing and targeting super easy. The problem I had then was how do I ship this thing to the US? How do I get people fast shipping times, right? Because ultimately we all live in a world where if it doesn't get to us in like three or four days max, we're not buying it. And also most of us don't want to pay for shipping. Thank you, Amazon. The most you could probably charge about $2.99 for shipping nowadays. And charging $2.99 for a £15 product to send it to the US basically means you're all of you, all the all the money is going towards shipping. You're not going to make any money on it because it costs you about thirteen pounds to ship it to the US. If you wanted to get there with any speed, if you wanted to get there in forty five days, absolutely fine. But then that raised that creates another issue of your products not arriving on time for your customers. By the time they get it, their pandemic's over. So those are the things that I learned and things that I would do differently. So to just summarize that, when you're looking at an opportunity, how much time do you have to invest into it? That's going to be a key differentiator between whether or not it's worth your time and if you're going to get what you think you're going to get out of it. What ways can you test your ideas in a low-risk way? How can you get validation? How can you get confirmation that this is a good idea? Avoid chasing trends because you never know when the, train is, the trend is going to stop or at what stage within the trend you're joining. The fourth thing is looking, when it comes to e-commerce, look for products that are highly visual, products that have a high response to, to a before and after where you can see you can see the difference almost instantaneously because that makes it easier for consumers to connect to the value proposition now the other side of that is understanding how strong the, the customer problem you're solving is what is the problem you're solving and how much does it matter to your customers covid in 2021 is a much smaller problem than it was in 2020 had this product been a year late a year earlier I would possibly be a millionaire right now. But at the time I was joining the trend, trying to ride the wave, trying to turn the pandemic into a pandemic, right? The opportunity window had passed for the high earnings to be made. And lastly, distribution. How are you going to get your products to, to all, as many customers as you can? Is it cost effective? Does it still make sense for you to pursue this path? things I need to do better next time and things you can do better with your project now. Thank you all so much for listening. I'll see you next week for another episode of Black Millennial Money, where hopefully I would have come up with another six-figure idea. This is Black Millennial Money. 